Milford Haven, Pembroke, Pembroke Dock, Saundersfoot and Tenby. An application has been submitted to Pembrokeshire County Council to erect two food and drink outlets, car parking and lighting columns at Honeyborough Industrial Estate and has been put forward by Aspects Developments Limited. If approved, the plans could create 16 full-time and 30 part-time jobs at the retail park. Proposed operating hours are 8am until 10pm, seven days a week. Initial designs, including areas for customer seating, food preparation, a serving counter, cold store and customer and staff toilets have been submitted. It's a busy sporting weekend for triathlon fans as Saundersfoot held its village triathlon on Saturday and in the south of the county, Ironman Wales is taking place Sunday. Motorists are reminded to be extra careful as there are many cyclists out on the roads and the conditions may be poor. There are many roads closed to traffic and motorists will need to take care and take any road closures into account when planning journeys. Signs are up stating road closure times and more information can be seen via social media. Accommodation providers from hotels to Airbnb are full and restaurants are booked up as thousands have checked into the area for the events. Winner of Best Race Venue, Ironman Wales has become a major event on the international calendar and an opportunity for the tourism sector to extend their season. A record sold-out field of nearly 2,400 athletes are taking part in Ironman, in addition to 2,000 children who took part in Iron Kids Wales on Saturday. Ironman Wales has proved a popular choice on the Ironman circuit due to its imposing challenge, stunning coastal course location, incorporating the Pembrokeshire Coast National Park and world-renowned spectator support. That's the latest. You're up to date on Pure West Radio. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, Pure West Radio. And welcome to the West Files, where tonight I'm waiting on my co-host and our guest, who seem to have engaged in a spot of female reminiscing about the good old days. So while they finish their reminiscing, um, I'll play the theme tune. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. When you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange No one remembers your name When you're strange When you're strange When you're strange People are strange When you're a stranger Faces look ugly When you're alone Women seem wicked When you're unwanted Streets are uneven when you're down When you're strange Faces come 
when you stray No one remembers your name When you stray When you stray When you're strange Alright, yeah When you're strange Faces come out of the rain When you're strange you're listening to the West Files and I'm pleased to say that Ronaldo and our guests have finished their reminiscing about things girly <laughs> and have finally joined me in the studio well, we thought we'd better everybody ride. was wondering where you were you were getting lonely uh, I wouldn't put it quite like that oh, but, right. yeah um, anyway, anyway you are listening to the West Files on Pure West Radio it is Monday night it's five minutes and 51 seconds according to the god the great god computer. It's 56 now. Well, that's because I've just talked. <laughs> not time, it's, this is not the time slip show. Oh. Um, and we do have, I'm very pleased to say, we have a great guest tonight. Um, a guest who I wanted earlier in the summer, but who has been incredibly busy. Um, but we've finally managed to drag them into the studio so without further ado i'm going to introduce the guest oh, good. welcome marion davis the well people will know you as the ghost tour guide for tembi but you're far more than that aren't you well i, th- I like to think that they call me marion the guide not just the ghost walk because <laughs> it's just a part <laughs> of what i do um but uh, yeah it is a big part of what i do i have to say and it's one of the things that i've you know, it's one of my favourite things, really, doing the ghost walk. I have such lovely people. I'm very lucky, actually, that come on the tour with me. Uh, how long have you of the ghost walks? Because I remember when I moved to Pembrokeshire 11 years ago, mm-hmm. it was one of the first things I spotted um, when I came down to Tembi, and one of the very first things that was on my to-do list. Brilliant. So, but they've been going a lot longer than that. Yeah. That's it. Rub it in, why don't you? This <laughs> <laughs> is an age thing you've got going. Yeah, no, 20 years, actually. It's extraordinary. 20 years this summer oh, was my 20th. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's it's been brilliant. I mean, it has developed over the years, of course, really, a little bit. Um, I didn't really know how I was going to sort of pitch it initially, you know. But the thing is, you know, Tembi and Pembrokeshire really very much a sort of a, a holiday destination for families, really. And so I, I had to sort of be able to encompass everybody, really you know um mm. so that i didn't not too much frightening not too much funny just a little bit of everything really what's the sort of demographic um of people that come on the ghost walks um well they are mostly um they're mostly holiday makers and mostly uh, although i do get some local people as well but they are mostly families really i would say in couples out of all ages all ages you know so they come from all over and lots of people from europe and from you know america mm-hmm. australia and again of all ages now you said 20 years it's been going but mm. what what inspired you to to start the ghost walk well it was it was a strange it was a 
It was sort of a happy accident in a way because originally I'd done a postgrad teaching certificate um, with a plan to teach art, very likely, because art is my degree, really, mm -hmm. fine art. But uh, whilst I was doing that, I thought, well, perhaps, I, you know, it's going to be quite challenging. There's actually not that many jobs, that teaching jobs around in the art world. Um, do I want to do it? full-time part-time whatever and I, I had a small son at home and I thought well I am very interested in the history of, of Tembi I, I'd love to find out more about that and I think that there is scope for doing a guided walk in Tembi because there was nothing at mm -hmm. the time um, and whilst I was doing the research for the, the story of Tembi the history of the town I thought well I kept coming across all these fascinating stories about the tales the traditions the magic the myths the legends the you know, the fun and the fear. And I thought, I think I've got enough stuff now for a ghost walk, um, which may or may not go down well. Who knows? It's a bit of a mystery. Um, and, of course, then I went around to see a lot of people mm -hmm. in the town, that, you know, to sort of get more stories so that I could perhaps bring them up to date so that they weren't just tales and traditions of the past, but things that were perhaps ongoing, you know. And that's really how it all started. I thought, I'll... I'll do both then the story right. of Tembi and the ghost walk of Tembi and see how it goes. And the rest they say. <laughs> history. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll 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 open with some music and the computer, the great god computer that chooses all of our music, he says. He says. Has chosen something. It I tell you this this computer is psychic. Oh yeah. Because look what it's chosen. I know. I think this is I think the computer is dedicated Ghost Town by the specials. Uh, Fantastic. So let's have some music <laughs> and uh, we'll try and organise all of these because we've now got one, two, three, four computers in here. Yes. They're going to start fighting, aren't they? It's going to be like robot wars. This. <laughs> it's going to be iRobot in the studio. iRobot in, in the studio. Because there's still space for a few more over there. Isn't yeah, it? Well, anyway. Anyway. <coughs> the specials and Ghost, Ghost Town. Town.
Dedicated to Tembi. And Marion. And Marion, our guest tonight, <laughs> yes. who is Thank the... Uh, well, I'm still going to refer to her as the, the Ghost Walk Guide, because That's what this is the West Files. This is the <laughs> West Files, and you do what you like anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking before, before um, the music about the sort of people that come on the Ghost Walk and the the inspiration behind it mm. but it, it it's a huge i mean i i've been on one of the ghost walks it was some years ago and there is a lot of material that you have collected together isn't there where did you find all this material from um well i i have an extraordinary huge number of books um uh, but I, I also did masses of research up at the museum up at tenby museum and art gallery uh, the library uh, lots of books by sort of learned bods so that I could double check things mm. like tales and traditions particularly and how things were dealt with because I like to think that you know this is not stuff that I'm actually just making up these yeah, are these you know this facts. this thing has happened and there is some sort of basis in why that sort of strange apparition or that strange occurrence might have have happened sort yeah. of thing and it's I found that there are sort of strangely links throughout the whole of Europe, actually. So uh, something that I might talk about that has become extraordinarily localised, you know, you, it may be that you have somebody from Scandinavia or somebody from the Netherlands or something like that, or even further afield, you know, to America and Australia, who say, oh, yes, we've heard of that, or we've done that, or we know that, or we, you know, that's also something that we've heard of in our, di you know, area. Mm. So it's extraordinary, particularly, though, I have to say, Europe. But then, of course, most a lot of the people that are in Australia and, <laughs> you know, America and what have you, sort of their, you know, their origins are we, Europe. We anyway, seem to obviously. share a lot of stories, don't we, with the Irish East Coast, Wexford. Absolutely, with lots of, yeah, um, lots of Irish... Yeah, particularly the fairies, um, yeah, 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 and the the, the <coughs> stories relating to them, yeah. Um, and do we have a number of pirates as well? Yeah, apart from the obvious Black Bart. Oh, yes, yeah, oh, he's good, good chap, Black Bart. Oh, yes. um, yeah, <laughs> fantastic <laughs> stories. Yeah, 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 absolutely brilliant stories. So I'm sure there are people out there who would disagree that a pirate is a good chap. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I well, I think he was such a colourful chap, he wasn't was, he? Yes, you know, in in yeah, yeah, in every way. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, John Paul Jones was um, a, a pirate that operated around the coast here quite a bit. And although his, he adopted the name Jones, really he started life as John Paul. Uh, he was actually Scottish, but he ended up in America. He, through various, various reasons, he ended up in America. Um, was staying with people surnamed Jones, and that's how he adopted the surname. But he operated on behalf of the Americans uh, as a privateer. I mean, to to them, he's an absolute hero, and I, of course, I have a lot of Americans, um, not just on walking tours, but also cruise ship excursions and things like that, really. Um, and they're quite interested because, although we regard him as a pirate, to them, he was a great hero and the founder of the American Navy. He's actually Gosh. buried in Annapolis. Uh, you know, a great hero. Yeah, whenever I go over to Boston, I, I keep getting shown the USS Constitution, oh. uh, which is, they keep claiming the world's oldest warship, still in service until I point out HMS Victory predates it by a good hundred years. <laughs> 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 well, we beat the British Navy. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he, he, he raided up in, um, well, he kidnapped somebody actually up in uh, Fishguard. Mm-hmm. But he used to moor just around uh, to the south of Coldy, really, I suppose, where there is Paul Jones Bay, uh, because there was a reliable source of fresh water on the island. Um, and he would just sort of keep an eye on what was moving in and out of Tembe. And in fact, he had a lookout in Tembe called Leaky Porridge. <laughs> <laughs> you may well laugh. How <laughs> <laughs> on Well, Leaky Porridge, by all accounts, is actually a foodstuff. And it was a sort of like a, you know, a chicken leek porridge, you know, apparently. Um, a sort of, yeah, you can imagine it must have been pretty gloopy. I don't know. I don't know whether it was his favourite or whether it was his, you know, his absolute worst nightmare, you know. Um, but uh, I mean, it's true to say that the, you know, the men in Tembe, you know, most of them have, you know, around the harbour area still have nicknames. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but anyway, he was said to have been acting as a lookout for. John Paul Jones. Funny you talk about the harbour because Tembe's featured on its own television series uh, the last Aww. couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, the harbour. That's right. Yeah. Um, have you featured on that? Have you? Have you? Oh no, but then I'm. Know? I'm not. I. You know, it, it was really very much the sort of the local people who are associated with the harbour. Really, it was lovely, gentle photography, and yeah, no, it wasn't. You know, I'm not a harbour person. I'm a townie. Very close <laughs> to the harbour. Yeah, I think that counts. They need to broaden out a little bit as well on that program. It's a little bit. I, I mean, you're a, you're a Tembe resident, and I am a resident. Um, yeah. Whereas I'm I'm. I'm very much not. Um, I mean, I'm English for a start, <laughs> moved to the area. Uh, but, I mean, I think, you know, when I first came down, and we'd obviously visited Tempe when I was a child, mm. I think because most people do at least one family holiday in Tempe during a lifetime. Oh, yes. And um, I, you know, I, was, I watched the programme, and I thought, well, I, the photography may have been gentle, but I think they undersold the town. Because there's a lot more to Tembe than just a harbour and a few colourful characters, de- you know, a few salty old sea dogs down the harbour. It uh, is the heart of the town, though, in a way. Oh. I feel resistance. It is to some people. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for me, one of the, 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 fun, the, the weird things I've never understood about Tembe 
and this is going to get us off banned off air now in Tembe is when you when you're down at the harbour looking back up at the town, mm-hmm. it doesn't look its best, does it? <laughs> they have improved it in the last ten years, but mm-hmm. it, it looked because you were looking back up at the sort of the back of, the, of a lot of the buildings. Yeah, um, and it it's a bit like Haverford West in along Riverside Walk. It it isn't great. When you're looking up at the castle, it depends on what you're looking for. When the, you're looking, they're back getting up. better. I, I, I think. Well, I don't think that. I mean, obviously, I mean, I live in Tembe. I love it, you know, but uh, I don't think that's strictly true because you've got the, you know, what you're actually looking at there is what during the Victorian period was regarded as, you know, very, you know, compare, having compared very favourably with the Bay of Naples, if oh, you don't I, mind uh, me saying. Absolutely. I mean, do use your imagination. I'm not talking about the buildings that... that um, but there were some areas where you were looking up at the back of buildings that were clearly needed a bit of a, a wash and a brush up. But that's, uh, that's, that, that, that's actually just a, yeah. It that's a, a pretty a small lot. section of Crackwood Street because otherwise you are looking at yeah. the fronts and you know you've got the sweep of the High Street, the Norton, and the Croft, plus of course the beautiful harbour area oh, itself. I mean, I'm not, it's, not it's just a short. It and a little bit I mean, trodden from the back. Yeah, I mean, I think well, you know, they're always a bit tricky to paint at the back, but I think generally speaking, I would say that there's a good deal of pride in Tembe and that it's, you know there's that there's that. You know, people are very conscientious about you know painting the fronts. I, I gen- generally think that everything looks pretty pristine and nice, and people go to a lot of effort to make it. I, w- I would say that it, Tembe, as a towner, from my perspective, mm-hmm. um, as an out of towner, has yeah. absolutely upped its game in the last five years. Yeah, um, you know, the, it's a lot cleaner than it. You know, mm. it's clean. Mm-hmm. It's very well presented. Even when you've got that huge volume of people going through in the summer, mm-hmm. um, you know the town is well maintained and well taken yes. care of. Yeah, a lot but I remember there. when I walked down to the harbour to, to the old um, RAF launch uh-huh. uh, yeah. hut, mm. and looking back up, thinking mm, it doesn't quite work mm. from down here. It's a great one to. I mean, it must be in the most photographed landscape or seascape because you, if you're up at the. Yeah. Um, I don't know the uh, I don't know the names of these places, but if you're still in front of W. H. Smiths. Yeah, there that's are, still High Street up there. That, yeah. I can't count the number of people I see. They're pulling out their smartphones mm. now and taking pictures. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe it is the most photographed harbour in Wales. I can easily yeah. see that. Absolutely yeah. easily see that. But Tembe's absolutely chock full of history, isn't it? It is. If you go into the church in Tembe, mm. I mean, it's open to the public, and I would urge anybody to go and take a walk around that church because it is so full of history. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, yeah. It's so peaceful inside. It's so welcoming and open. Yes, it's absolutely. And, yes. and, and in, in fact, the graveyard as well. It's a great place to sit. Yeah, so it's, uh, I think it's, it's got a very special really, feel. It's a really, really peaceful place to sit. Yeah, I mean, it's often referred to as being the largest medieval parish church in Wales, uh, and that's all based on the wealth made by trade coming into mm. the harbour area you know really initially it's a shame about the castle though isn't it <laughs> uh. <laughs> what happened to the castle where's, where's the castle gone yeah well um what happened there was in the 13th century um william william de valence actually gave uh, as in the year he died gave them permission to look after it or not as they saw fit and they clearly chose not to worry because not to worry about it, you yeah. know by that time really the walls had become the main defensive structure basically <laughs> and they would you know otherwise i think they would have been compelled to look after because the now castle. isn't the town museum located um, in the remains of the living quarters and latrine tower yeah 
I've not been up there yet though to see the museum. It's mm. probably um, still on the on the to do list. list. Mm. Probably because it's uphill. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's the problem. Yeah. It's up a big hill. But there's you know, there's quite a few bits and bobs of walls up there really and the lookout tower right on the top. Well and well you've got the views out across to Coldy and mm-hmm. and so many legends associated with with Coldy with St Catherine's um, Island oh, as yeah. well, yeah. Uh, which is open to the public um, this year, hasn't it, on a limited basis? Uh, well, it, yes, it is. I mean, and it was open last year. I mean, whenever yeah. you see the Welsh flag flying, it's open. Exactly. I mean, it is at the end of the day I a tidal there was island. A huge struggle with planning to get that uh, yeah. access uh, opened up, and it it's become you know uh, for me. It's a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, just looks it? so menacing. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, dramatic in a, in a, well, for me, it's like a sort of paranormal, spooky way. Mm. It looks like it's, it should exude ghosts and mm-hmm. spirits and phantoms. And yet, I've only ever found one story related to Yeah, Catherine. absolutely. Me too. It's quite a famous story <laughs> as well. Um, so, with your research, I mean, have you found that West Wales, um, Pembrokeshire, Ha, is different than other parts of Wales and the other part, other parts of the UK? Um, because we are quite remote, aren't we? Well, you know, obviously, that uh, I'm, well, not, I'm not hugely knowledgeable <laughs> about the rest of, you know, Britain generally, you know, just only the most general kind of way. Um, of course, this is really the area that I specialise in, is literally Pembrokeshire and West Wales, really. Um, and I think we've got an incredible wealth of, you know, Myth, magic, legend. We do seem to have, and it's. Yes. I say it, it. There are echoes of it on the Irish East Coast, um, mm. with the particularly the fairies. Yes, mm. definitely. Um, and because our shared history with the Mabinogian and yeah. the, mm-hmm. the tales of the Mabinogian. But if you move north into sort of past Ceredigion, um, mm. the stories change, the mythology and the folklore changes, and I think that changes with the landscape. But West Wales has been in. I was going to say in prehistory it wasn't because it was the M1 um, for because uh, the Irish Sea was a main thoroughfare yeah. right the way mm. through you know, from pre-Roman era. Mm. But then you know you get to the Middle Ages and after the sort of links with Ireland um, severed, Pembrokeshire seems to have become cut off. Certainly with the transport links as well. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'm um, just wondering if that's affected our, our psyche and the way that the stories have developed and the folklore is... Um, um, well, I, I, I'm not sure that we were com- completely cut off, really, um, because after the Romans left, you had that sort of golden age of mm. saints and you know, there was a huge amount of travel between you know, Ireland, Cornwall, Brittany... Um, and I think then you had pilgrimage as well, sort of, you know, which rose to its absolute zenith in the 14th century. So I think there was still a huge deal of movement, you know, well up into that sort of period. I mean, I think probably during uh, the Elizabethan period, it perhaps, you know, changed a little bit. Were we really. affected by, um, I know Cornwall was very badly affected during the Elizabethan era by raiders, uh, Moorish pirates who were attacking the, the, yeah. the towns on the Cornish coast, so much so that the Cornish people petitioned the Queen mm-hmm. um, for naval protection. Did that happen off the southwest of Wales, are, are you aware of? Uh, well, the funnily enough, the story about St Catherine's Island um, that I know of is the sort of the pirate 
that came and lived on the island there for a short while that had been wrecked probably on the Woolhouse Rocks in reality. Mm -hmm. Um who got washed up onto the castle beach there and he took res you know took up residence on St Catherine's Island and he was almost certainly a Barbary corsair you know mm. so yeah so they were you know they were problematic and of course they used to the reason they were so frightening was because they didn't just take one or two people they would take a whole hamlet you know or a farmstead yeah. or whatever it, it was and they just would sort take of basically the whole town yeah and enslave them well, I mentioned this on, on my ghost walk, you know, because I talk about, some, you know, I do tell the story, of, he, he crops up on my ghost mm. walk. But also, you know, I mean, they took, he, on one raid, the Barbary Corsairs took between four and 600 people from Iceland. Mm. Iceland, extraordinary, isn't it? We think of slavery as um, a Western phenomena. Yeah. Mm. We're enslaving Africans, but in actual fact, we, we ourselves were the victims of the slave trade. Mm hmm um, in the 16th century and, yeah. and earlier. But also and earlier with the Vikings That's and right. so on, they used to take people as well. Um, I think time for some music and uh, a swill of tea <laughs> and a breath. So uh, let's have some chaka corn. Yeah, should we? Yeah, should we have on, Why not? Yeah, all I right. feel for you. Well, I know you do, but do you want chaka corn or not? Yeah, all right then. <laughs>
of them too, but it's the West Files, and it is. that was Chaka Khan. Chuck, um, yeah. Is there a Labour and politician called Chuck a Khan or Chuck, Chuck, yeah, Chuck something or other? Anyway, as I said, this is the West <laughs> Files and far more interesting than Labour politicians. And chucking things. And chucking things is Marion Davis, who I'm referring to wrongly, a little bit wrongly, a as, bit wrongly. as the Ghost Walk tour guide. Well, not, 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 not wrong at all. It's but just, as it's we just discovered a, at the start yeah. of the show, there is there are far more strings to your bow than that. And you guide further afield on. Yeah, I do. Well, I, you know, I am. I'm. I'm a Wales blue badge guide, so technically I can guide anywhere in Wales. You know, but I usually am in West Wales. You know, I live in West Wales. Mm-hmm. I guide usually in West Wales, basically. What it boils and down. Is there much call for a blue badge guide in Wales? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, when I f- when I first became a blue badge guide, I was the only one here in West Wales in Pembrokeshire. Um, but now I've got five colleagues who are blue badge guides, and quite a lot of green badge guides as well who are Pembrokeshire based. Really. Right. Um, so yeah, it's lovely. There's I've got quite a few. Here, yeah, <laughs> I've got quite a few colleagues now. It's great. Okay. Actually. Those that don't know. Is a blue badge guide and what is a green badge guide? Well, a blue badge guide. And what's the difference? There's obviously a hierarchy. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I can say by the way is. you said yes. a green badge oh, guide. Um, yeah, it, it, well, a blue badge guide is sort of the highest guiding qualification you can so get. So it's actually a qualification you have to It is, for, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. It's, it takes a couple of years, really. Um, and the, the green badge guides are district related you know so for example the we uh, the green badge guides because we have a lot of cruise ships coming in um a sort of a little gang of uh, green uh, green badge guides were recruited and went through the studying process as well specifically being aimed at sort of guiding for cruise ships so it was excursions oh, from right. a ship coming into west wales basically and of course we have three active ports who are milford uh, port of pembroke or pembroke dock and Fishguard, yeah. basically. So, you know, it may encompass going up to Cardigan or to the National Botanic Garden or Larne, as well as all the usual, you know, Tembe, Carew, right, yeah. Pembroke, etc. It just, so it would be that sort of cover that area, basically. Yeah. And of course, the one thing that we wanted to get, make sure that we had as well were not just more guides for Pembrokeshire, but linguists preferably. You know, that was definitely one of the things we wanted because we have a lot of ships that come in with uh, German speakers very particularly. Mm. Um, So it was great. We have got quite a few. So is it predominantly Germans on the cruise ships? No, no, not at all. We have huge numbers of um, Americans, Brits. They come from all over. Just say y'all. They can't. They come from. They do. They do. Hey y'all. They they come from all over really, but I would say predominantly American, English, and German really. Uh, I love Americans because they they. They they fought for their independence and mm. were eventually granted it, which mm. is always worth reminding them. If there are any mm. Americans listen, listening, you weren't not give, you did, you weren't independent in seventeen seventy six. We let you go independent in mm. seventeen eighty three. Mm. Remember that. <laughs> um, but they all then so desperately want to be British again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, when I say English, I mean we do get they with, are with the Brits really. You know, they are Brits. They come from all over, but mostly from I would say England. And they have this very distorted sense of nationality, the Americans, because 
we have uh, they have um they understand who well, the welsh mm. they don't know where wales is but they understand they welsh. just think it's an english scotland ireland and brits yeah mm. they forget the, the, <laughs> and england mm. <laughs> but no it's it's scotland ireland wales brits mm. Mm. Yeah, I the I mean interesting. I, mean, I would uh, say that just before we go over there. I think yeah. a lot of um, uh, the Americans that are on the cruise ships, though, in fairness, you know, they feel that they, uh, you know, they are aware of their roots when they mm. come, you know. Um, oh, incredibly! Go yeah. over to New England, and the amount of people I I meet each year who tell me that their ancestors sailed over on mm -hmm. the Mayflower. Absolutely, it must be bigger than a Disney cruise ship. The Mayflower. <laughs> Yeah. Because uh, you can't walk down any high street in New England and you will meet people whose ancestors came over on the Mayflower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's only 104 people. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, there have been so many waves of... I mean, the Welsh are amazing, you know, in terms of the travelling that went on in days mm. gone by. Um, you know, and they went in sort of various waves. It was, you know, a lot of people went from West Wales, of yes, course, you know. Yes. Uh, you know, Solver, Cardigan, where, you know, wherever. Um, and a lot of them took their, their skills with them, you know, the coal miners, the steel and tin mm -hmm. uh, workers, you know. Um, you know, and of course, much earlier than that as well. So we're not just talking 19th century industrial sort of, um, you know, migration. Uh, much earlier than that and a lot of people can trace their relatives way back i mean a lot of these people on these cruise ships you know they've done the mediterranean they've done the west indies so now they're getting more into their roots you know mm. and they have their links mm. uh with britain the americans love genealogy and mm -hmm. ancestry research absolutely it's a it's a, you know definitely on the up i would say reconnecting them <laughs> so with all of the just returning back to the ghost walks for a moment um with, with all of the research that you've done and with all of the stories that you've collected, collated and tell, where's the book? <laughs> <laughs> because Ew. there is absolutely... A, I mean, I've got on my shelf, um, I know Brian John, who is a previous mm, guest on the show, has yeah. done several. Um, I've got the earlier one by... The, the legendary one by Jonathan Keradig-Davis... Um, who oh, broke yes. all this down in 1911, I think, mm -hmm. all of the folklore of West Wales. Yeah. Um, and you can see many of the modern sort of stories in modern books and uh, and even on your ghost walks, mm -hmm. there are some that relate to Carrie Dick Davis. Yeah. Um, but where's yours? Because I think your contribution would be, is, is overdue, if I'm honest. <laughs> Not well, overdue. In, in a sense. I mean, you know, the thing is, at the end of the day, when it comes to the traditions and some of these ghost stories um, and the folklore and things mm -hmm. like that, you know, they are what they are. These have been recorded since mm. time immemorial and people have captured them into the various books and things like that. To a degree, I feel like, you know, it, they, they've been regathered in a sense um, many times over, really. And it would only really be if I could add to the existing ones and say, well, look, it's still kind of happening because, you know, this has happened or that's happened mm -hmm. or this person saw this did the other or whatever. Um, so it, I would only feel that it would be appropriate if I could add something that's more contemporary to reinforce that tradition or that story or whatever. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying, and 
There's definitely an opening for one at some well, point or other. Everyone's got to have merch. <laughs> yes. You know, that's, that's the thing. I, I know that, you know, having been on ghost walks in, in Edinburgh and, and York, the one thing that you want afterwards is when you, your heads are full of the stories is something to take away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I could do something. Work for a percentage on the West Files if we... <laughs> yeah. um, ideas, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it is something that I've been... I have, cons- you know, I have considered. Um, and, you know, apps and CDs and things like that. I have considered them. I just haven't actually quite got round to sort of deciding what it is that yeah, I will do. But as I can see it, you know, being yeah. on the cards at we some point We very much have to future. embrace this new technology, don't we, of apps and... Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't think you can beat a book. No. In fact, the, the sales of books uh, and they because they predicted that computers would kill paper and mm-hmm. would kill books and the, the mm-hmm. in e-readers and Kindles. And, yeah. But they absolutely haven't. Um, no. You know, book sales are still on the up. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something, you know, very tactile, isn't there? There's something very personal mm. about a book, the smell of the book, the crispness mm. of the opening of a, a nice it's, book. or it's the, the sitting there and yeah. holding the book mm. and just escaping. And, of course, Tembi's got uh, two great bookshops. He's got the, the, the bookshop on mm. the high street, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the most dangerous bookshop in the world. <laughs> the legendary. <laughs> the legendary, yeah, Albie's bookshop. Um, yeah, Covion. Lovely. Yeah, well, you have to. You're issued now with a hard hat before you go. <laughs> it should have been years ago. Do you know, the, the strange thing about Albie, he's a great friend of uh, of mine, um, and I know what might be saying it is he knows where all of the stock is. Oh, absolutely. You look at this mountain of books, yeah, and you ask him if there's a particular thing that you're interested in, and he can go, yep, absolutely, except for to. one. <laughs> it's like sort of ploughing a field. Yeah. Um, there was there's a book there that um, I I couldn't pick up on the day. Um, this was four years ago, mm-hmm. and um, it's gone back. It's sort of the the tide of books has washed over it again, mm. and we're waiting for it to resurface. A book by Arthur Macken, uh, a Welsh author, and mm. um, yeah, it hasn't resurfaced yet. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need more tourists to go to Albie's bookshop and keep ploughing their yes. way through it so yeah. we come back up. Anyway, we're time for, for some music. This is kind of appropriate for me and Tembi because I am hopeless with street names. I know there's Frog Street and yes. you know, Toad Street and all the other streets. So for me, um, as you probably heard earlier when we were talking upstairs, mm-hmm. I am absolutely hopeless with street names. Um, <laughs> in Haverford West, Tembi, I don't look at street signs. So this is, uh, this is I think, for me. Yeah. Come on, you two, sort yourselves out. Start singing. Nope, still playing no, the organ. Still, you know why? They don't know the words yet. Uh, well, it is where the streets have no name, but the song's got no words yet. Nope, still playing it. The... <laughs> <laughs> still playing that lesson. Something's happening. Something's happening. Anyway, this is you two, streets have no name. <laughs>
get on with it. <laughs>
there from Ireland, you two, with the longest intro and outro by the edge I think I've ever heard. I don't know who's playing the church music though. Hey, they're coming to the Devalence. Who? You two. I'm not. I am. Uh, I'm going to see them in December. Ooh. Well, real. You two UK. But actually, they're very, very good because we were like, oh, should we go? Should we go? Because I'm a big U2 fan. And. So I thought, I'll watch a little bit of them on that YouTube. Mm. And I thought, yeah, actually, you know, yeah. 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 funny. You know, they don't look much like Bono and the Edge, and, uh, but, you know. It doesn't matter. He's got a bobble hat on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I say our guest tonight is Marion Davis. Without a bobble hat. From the, go- from the Ghost Walks. This is just my hair. <laughs> <laughs> the Tempe Ghost Walks. Now, how can people, I mean, apart from, when, are the, when can people go on the Ghost Walks or find out more about the Ghost Walks? Uh, well, I've gone on to my sort of awesome schedule now, which uh, so I'm going three nights a week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, they can look up on my uh, website, which has got the timetable, um, and that's www.guidedtourswales.co.uk. But I mean, if they just put in Ghost Walk or yeah, know, Story Google Tembe, Ghost they'll find Tembe. it. Yeah. It'll come up, yeah. yeah. So what's scarier then, the Ghost Walk or the Hen Nights? <laughs> oh, it's a toughie. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been late night in Tembe on a yeah, Saturday yeah, and it yeah. can get quite scary, can't it? Absolutely, I know. The living. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, do you call them living? I've no, seen not, not at the nights. end of the evening, they're definitely not living. <laughs> <laughs> You're brave though, doing Saturday nights. Well, I go around Castle Hill really, so um, because it's lovely and quiet mm. and there are often lovely views or nice starry views and places safe for my people to stay. How yeah. long does the ghost walk actually last? Uh, it's an hour and 40 minutes. That's good value. And how mm. much does it cost? It's £6 for adults Very and three fifty for children. Very good value. Mm. Now, we were going to come this summer, but we have a five-year-old and we decided that it would be disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, so what age group do you pitch the tour at? Uh, well, in the summer, I mean, you know, there are children in pushchairs and things like that. So um, I have quite small children and I hope that I engage them, mm. you know, with my stories. And I tell them they can always ask me questions between the you know between each story yeah, yeah. So as we walk from a to b sort of thing. because kids don't don't necessarily have those social skills no, to know not to yeah. put the hand up and oh well, they do yeah. a lot of them do anyway um one more tune and then it's time for the news i don't know what this is i don't, I don't know whether this is the station manager's um, message to us should i stay or should, should i, I go, go by the clash? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be back after it with our we guest marion davis the yes. ghost tour guide for tembyshire Darling, you got to let me know Should I stay or should I go? If you say that you are mine I'll be here till the end of time So you got to let me know Should I stay or should I go? It's always tease, tease, tease You're happy when I'm on my knees One day is fine and next is black So if you want me off your back Well, come on and let me know Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? 